Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. Good evening. You are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphomet, and I'm Jim Perry. Tonight, a very informal conversation about the strange between three friends in a hotel in West Hollywood. Comedian, podcaster, paranormal investigator Ryan Singer and producer, writer, partner at SpectreVision Daniel Noah both join me. We just got back from dinner, but a pit stop on the road to the unknown. If you downloaded this episode expecting meticulous editing and a polished radio experience, that is not this one, my friend. Tonight, we welcome you to enter into the circle and laugh a little while being way too speculative about how all and any of this works. Tonight, we just hang out on Night Drift by Euphemet. We're here sitting around a metal stool at the Paley Hotel. Paley Hotel? I think it's Paley Hotel. Paley Hotel. See, here on Melrose. When I originally looked it up, I did do A L E Y because of Paley. Yeah. So when I see P A L I, I think Polly. Yeah. But there's no U, so it's Pally. I, I have no opinion. Do you have a dog in this fight? None. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty strongly, actually, about my opinion. Should we march up to the front desk right now and get some clarification on this? Uh, this is a recording for Night Drift, a uh, podcast exclusive version that's going to drop on the feed in a few days from when we're talking here. I'm with uh, two of my great friends, uh, compatriots in the exploration of the unknown. Uh, we formed a, a not-so-secret society today. Um, not so secret because, of course, I'm telling uh, all of you about that right now. But, you know, I think by by uh, by default, you're members because there are, are no real secrets here among this gang. And uh, we spend our time exploring in, in hopes to at least, you know, I'll, I won't speak for you guys, but I think I could safely assume that we explore a lot to then bring others into what that unknown could mean to us and what it could mean to them and uh, share the unknown together so with that comedian stand-up filmmaker host of me and paranormal you the Mindcast, right singer Mindcast, the greatest branding error in the history of podcasting one might argue <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like when someone names their pet when they're like three years old and then it's like they're yeah. a teenager and like oh like I named it after a My Little Pony character <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their friends are like what did you name that dog and they're like no no, no don't don't it wasn't that because <laughs> I was like you know we're not probably too far away from me just being able to broadcast my thoughts as a podcast sure so they'll be mind casts it was 2013 or whatever and you were just like the world 
It's four possibilities. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I quickly realized that it was filled with one possibility. <laughs> Having a podcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless you. And we're here with uh, Daniel Noah as well. Daniel is a filmmaker, a producer, a writer. Uh, he's a sharp-dressed man. He's uh, here with us tonight after uh, introducing us to a, a place called the Beanery. And uh, yeah, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, you're gonna have to speak up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Over there in Sedona, okay. Arizona, <laughs> talking real low. I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, so we just hit record, so my friends here were uh, generous enough to, to help me make some content for the feed this week. <laughs> so a long way of saying, we don't know exactly what we're going to talk about here tonight, but no, I think... No plan of any kind. I did have a thought on the way over here. Okay. That wasn't about content for this, but I don't mind breaking the news here. Yeah, I'd love that. What if, during a paranormal investigation establishing contact with what I believe to be a higher intelligence, we specifically ask it to help us build something that will better improve our communications with it. Does this make sense? Yeah, it, does. it does. How do you suggest we do that, though? That's, That's literally, the drive over here was about two and a half minutes, <laughs> yeah. so I haven't fleshed it out. That's interesting. But I was like, oh my God, what if we ask it to like help us build something right so i that's all i got yeah yeah well it's interesting i know that uh individuals in the past have i mean have have done something similar with uh things like the godhead use that as a introduction to potentially helping them um build greater devices i think even the new kirks have messed around with something a little bit similar but that idea of using whatever tools at your disposal to to aid and like hey if you want to communicate we see that there's something going on here. Why don't you help us a little bit? How can how can how can we develop this together and build a platform where we can have a little bit easier you know conversation? Have you been to the Integratron? Yes. That's the only place I know of that you know allegedly is blueprints delivered from you know ET. Yeah. Or from higher intelligence or whatever, and. So it was not finished before the guy died. I wish I could remember his name right now. Do you happen to remember? Uh, yes, George Van Tassel. Yeah, right? And he was yeah. funded in part by... Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Yes. And it actually got completed even after he died. And going there for a sound bath is a really fun... And it is really a really cool experience. I went there on Super Bowl Sunday probably six years ago and I felt like the person I was there with a friend and she also felt this that the person was kind of wanting to watch the game and so kind of got us in and got us out kind of quick really oh oh, funny but we still even with that we still really had a good time but that's the only interaction I've had with an allegedly delivered instruction I would argue that um most art, or I suppose any kind of, um, you know, inspired creation, is that exactly that it's. I mean, you you guys have both heard me say this before. I think when you're writing and you're really in the zone, you're 
channeling. You're, mm-hmm. as I always call it, transcribing the angels. It's not, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you guys both write. When you're really in the zone, it doesn't feel like it's your idea. Yeah. It's a, it's an idea that you're grabbing out of the ether. So I think it happens every day. Mm, yeah. What you're describing. Mm, so interesting. I visualize someone skiing in front of a boat and then suddenly <laughs> being pulled behind the boat. <laughs> right? And the boat is just so much faster and more powerful. Yeah. It's a better idea. One, you know, uh, one one could argue that there are uh, uh, psychedelics potentially are the vehicle. Mm-hmm. that people have used as this tool, mm-hmm. right? To, to say, like, hey, how can we better connect? Oh, this, huh? Okay, yeah. now we're here in the same room. Yeah. What do we do from here? <laughs> do you think that's a possibility, that we've been on this quest, whether it's through in, in you know, sort of ingesting plant life, coming up with concoctions to building temples, towers, pyramids, structures, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm embarking into rituals that transcend what our states of consciousness are. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to do this for a long time, right? right? Connect with that other side mm-hmm. and then change ourselves in a way that we can better not only receive those messages but talk to whatever that is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you nail it. I mean, that's what everything is. Whether someone's praying or meditating or using psychedelics or doing magic trying to affect outcome right and I think or at least that's a large component of it I think too affecting outcome as opposed to you know or in addition to tapping into greater power greater consciousness creativity art whatever it could be I mean I think that's probably what some of the greatest athletes in the world do especially like ultra marathoners. All right. You know, I mean, it's, or the people who break through barriers. I mean, it's Jackie Robinson day in in baseball Mm -hmm. today. Mm. And I think that's a great example of a human being who somehow found it within themselves to take on more than anybody else previously had. Mm. How do they do that? They're tapping into something, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was Stephen Colbert on The Late Show with Letterman, I think, or some show like that, where they're talking about meditation or like thought envisioning future. Mm-hmm. Kind of, t- they were kind of dancing around talking about the occult, mm-hmm. essentially. If you can yeah. find the clip, and Colbert, I think it's pretty. I'm 100% sure it's Colbert. He goes, see, that's the secret that nobody knows Mm. it's a secret but like you and I know it and he's saying it as if like you and I know this secret we're now telling everyone this secret Uh on TV the secret is in like the secret yeah Yeah. essentially (laughs) right and uh, I remember seeing the clip and being like they are telling everyone something right now and people don't realize what they're telling them interesting like it's not just like no the secret is like you really just have to see yourself they're saying the secret that we've been told, right? And I'm not trying to be conspiratorial, or I'm not, or secret society kind of stuff, even though we are a secret society now. But um, <laughs> it is, it's just all right there, you know what I mean? And it's, it's all happening simultaneously. K 
can we, you know, transcribe the angels? I mean, it's they're just waiting for you to pick up the pen. And Liz Gilbert has a great TED talk about genius in the muse, and about Western society believes that, you know, oh, they're a genius. Mm-hmm. When before it used to be, the muse was everywhere, and mm. you got you know, every once in a while you just tried to chant, tap into it, mm. like we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Like you show up and you work every day, and if you're lucky, you tap into the muse. Well, that that uh, reminds me of a conversation I had last week on Night Drift with Ellie Molina, who is, uh, you know, has she believes psychic ability and has spent her life essentially uh, opening up uh, inherent pathways for children and adults to find and tap into their inherent psychic abilities. Her belief being, based off of academic study and also you know um the practice is that everybody has psychic abilities yeah it's just we have various levels of control or ability to tap into them yeah based off of uh, a lot of different factors right well like when you listen to that, daniel what did you what did you think i, about I that? thought about a, a conversation that i think i had with one of you guys on one of your Podcast, but which uh, I don't know why that sounded That's a, so. It's one of you guys on the it sounded so uh, <laughs> sort of admonishing or something in your little podcast. Um, no, I was remembering that I, one of you asked me something about uh, my opinion about people who had special abilities, and I and I, I think I, I found myself saying. Um, no, that's not what it is. It's just the world. Those of us who who are able to sort of uh, experience anomalous things are less broken than <laughs> the, uh, the, that. That the and the analogy being, uh, you know, if you if there's a um, a T if you have a TV that um, it is. Uh, there's there's a hundred channels being beamed through the air and you're and and everyone's everyone's tv only picks up like three because 97 of them are broken but then there's another person on the block who has a tv that picks up five channels you're like that's a super tv like no it's not it's just a little less broken than all the other tvs it's not super it's uh so that's what I thought of when you, <laughs> when you when you were talking to her. But it, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting um, notion that we all have it in us, and I think it's probably true. But you know that Keel quote that I love so much, where he says, roughly I can't remember the exact percentage, but that our brains are receivers, and roughly ten percent of us have a slightly wider bandwidth to pick mm. up on the signals that are out there. Yeah. And as he says, you know, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you you know you know exactly what I'm talking about. And those who don't will never believe, yeah. no matter what we say, you'll never believe us that that we that we pick up those signals. And um, uh, but it's what I found so so interesting about your interview with her was what. You know, so many people believe that children are are more clairvoyant, and that it's either uh, taught out of them, or as they get older, they're more distant from those experiences. Um, but the idea that she's actually training kids from an early age to hone their 
psychic abilities or their sixth sense or whatever is a fascinating yeah longitudinal study and she referenced having connected with kids who have grown yeah. right mm-hmm. and i i was you, you didn't go into that more but i was really curious to hear what was the result yeah right did you get yeah, I mean, I, bl- I believe what she had mentioned was just that, that it was kind of ranged across the board and, and those that use it on an everyday basis and don't even think about it right. to those that are kind of like, well, it was just like a right. weird school, I was Right. <laughs> it was some weird school. Yeah, you know? That's like the like the Whitley Streamer secret school, which um, yeah. Ariel's been reading. Is a, do you know this? He wrote this? Tell us a little bit about you know, it. He wrote a book. Uh, fairly late in his career and it's very funny and a little I don't know quite what to think about it but uh, saying that he like recovered a memory of when he was nine years old that he was uh, <laughs> when he that was real loud yeah, why are you giving me a glass of water I just, you, do I sound like I need a glass of water no I just you didn't have anything to drink you, so not, I felt, you didn't get I one saw, for yourself and you didn't get one for Ryan that felt very like there was a problem. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My voice. I'm actually so sorry. just very decidedly got up and got me a I glass of water. I just and only me. Dude, my, my, my the, the hospitality part of me, I just couldn't. I've been sitting over, over right. here. I'm actually recovering a memory now. Just when waiting. This happened before, previously for me. Well, no. <laughs> so, it, it felt oddly like a criticism. I, I just couldn't handle anymore. Your <laughs> shitty voice were just... It was just fucking Can up the podcast. that terrible yeah. voice? Like, okay, it's... he's going to explain a Whitley Streamer book. Let's fucking grease that voice up. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to take a minute. Oh, man. Okay. No, I felt, I felt bad. Everybody's got... I was going to drink some water, I and I was like, let's get guy water before Very thoughtful. Yeah, let's, yeah. Get, let's turn on the loudest faucet in the world. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was uh, the relationship to it. This is Night Drift with Jim Perry.
So uh, Whitley Schreiber wrote this book called The Secret School, in which he says that he very late in life recovered a memory of when he was nine years old that he would like late at night he would go into this spot in the forest with a group of other kids and it was like mystery school wow and but he somehow blocked out the memory until you know i don't know how old he is now i think it's a I, actually i don't know when he published the book yeah yeah um but it it's, reminds me a little about my mom and the balloon mm-hmm should I talk about my mom? Yeah, please. Yeah. This is really interesting. So my mom was out here uh, this week and uh, with with my stepdad and, and the four of us went out to dinner and we got to talking about paranormal stories. And I said, uh, oh, mom, tell the story. Uh, tell Ariel about the metal balloon. And she was said, what metal balloon? So when I was in high school, she told me about how she would wake up with sleep paralysis and see a metal balloon floating over her in her bed. And it happened a number of times. And no, understandably, this stuck with me, right? So she's completely blocked it out. She has no memory of it now, which I find so suspicious. <laughs> like, how do you forget something like that? It's yeah. not like, do you remember that time we went to the medieval times? You know, for my birthday, like, did we? No, did we go to medieval times for your birthday? I swear, no, we did. Yeah, I brought like three friends, and then you remember them. We like you, you know, you got a nick on the car door, and the. I, I know, I don't remember that. Well, of course you could forget something like that. It's very ordinary. Yeah. How do you forget having sleep paralysis yeah. with a metal balloon floating over your bed? Yeah. Unless that's a memory that's been deliberately removed from your head, or you, or or you've blocked it out yourself yeah. because it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the upsetting part is probably, although to show you how differently our brains think, I'm thinking this medieval times example is actually a really good example of the same thing. <laughs> like something really awesome and extraordinary. <laughs> You'd never forget that. You'd never forget going to medieval times. It was a little, that was a bad, I don't know why I went to medieval times. I was, I was, tra- I was tracking with you. You were, yeah, you yeah. looked engaged yeah no i was engaged yeah i was also no I mean, there was a twist at the end i was like you just forget that of course and you forget i'm over your door i don't oh, know wow where, where, I, I guess we have different expectations of joy but uh <laughs> i think uh did this jog her memory no not at all no she didn't remember it still what'll be interesting is check in in a few more days see if she's recovered it yeah or to see if she's experienced it again and is upset with you <laughs> you brought oh, the balloons man. back to Yeah. Well, that's a thing. You know, you hear people saying, like, I'm afraid to talk about this because it might happen again. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people who've had experiences. Well, then that comes around to my ghosts that I was telling you about earlier, Jim. Yeah. I'll just tell Ryan and your listeners, I guess. Yeah, please. This is another really interesting sort of memory puzzle. But I, I, I recently was having a conversation with, just like this one, like people, you know, sharing interesting stories and... And, and the topic of, of dreams came up. And I, for the first time ever, I shared a dream that I remember from when I was about five or six years old, a recurring dream. I've never said it out loud to anyone before. And the dream was that I would get up out of my bed in our apartment where we lived and would go into 
the there was a bathroom that had two doors so if you wanted to you could walk in a circle like through the two doors and into the hallway and there were four i can't remember the three or four ghosts that would that were sort of playfully circling this little area in the house and they were the red ghost the blue ghost the green ghost and the yellow ghost and they sort of looked like casper so they had they had like the wispy bottom and they had t-shirts that, and they were these colors. These, uh, and I think maybe one of them had like a little newsboy cap on. They looked <laughs> like cartoons. <laughs> so as I'm telling this story of this dream, I suddenly got this very strange feeling came over me because I realized that I've lived with this memory for so long that I don't even remember at what point I decided it was a memory of a dream. And that as I was telling it, I found myself also thinking, it doesn't have a dream quality in my memory. Mm. It has a quality of reality in my memory. And it's because I've lived with it all of my life, since I was six, it it just never dawned on me to examine it before. And I don't think about it very often. Like every once in a while, but that funny dream about the the ghosts with the colors. Yeah. so I'm not saying that it was ghosts, but it it is very much in keeping with the sort of Keelian theory that if there are entities from other worlds, that they take on a form that's friendly to our to the individual with whom they're interacting, which is you know yeah. something you and I have talked about a lot, Ryan. And um, so for a six-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, well he watches Casper. Right, and we, like I think they like really simple colors. So let's be the green ghost, the yellow ghost, but or maybe it was a dream. <laughs> but, right. But it's an interesting, it's a, it's a, it's just an interesting thought experiment. To, well, to, and I think it almost doesn't matter with whether it was a dream or not. I think what matters is the quality of that feeling that you had when you told the story again yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Because with that, that was a lot of information for you to take in, like what that felt like, and an example of. When we say words, they mean something. Mm. And when we say words and describe myth or story, our own stories, they become real in some sense mm. in that moment. Yeah. And that can be startling to mm-hmm. us because we've just given something life. Mm. And we hear ancient cultures talk about this all the time. Shit, we hear people that are involved in, you know, maybe devout Christians that, listen, we don't talk about the devil in this house. Yeah. We don't talk about that shit. Speak yeah. of the devil, and the devil shall appear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you know that I've been talking to you about idealism. And I'm just going down the idealism rabbit hole, as opposed to materialism. The idea that consciousness is the foundation of all reality, and every physical thing is a perception or comes springs forth from consciousness. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to consciousness magically appearing from physical matter, which is the standard accepted scientific model, even though we have no explanation scientifically for consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I find myself at times, for example, staring at an object and just saying, my consciousness is in control of the reality that I'm experiencing, almost Uri Geller style, you know, or Uri Geller just being like, this bottle has a hole in it. This bottle has a hole in it. 
and just seeing if I can make the bottle have a hole in it. <laughs> Any luck? No luck so no. far. Uh, usually <laughs> I do it when it's empty. Uh, but I think the idea that words becoming reality, yeah. you know, stemming from thought, thought stemming from consciousness, the mind or whatever, um, you know, being the foundation of everything that is around us and that we experience in our reality is something that is, right? Some people would argue that it's very easily provable because everything you see around you currently right now outside of nature was an idea. Whether it's this lamp, this recorder, this app, this chair, our clothing, these walls, mm-hmm. this, everything was somebody's idea. This is getting back to your machine, the, the schematics for a machine. Yes. Yeah. So we need to... Coming from the cosmos. Can we build a machine? <laughs> uh, but uh, so I think we just have to put the intention out there that we're going to get information to build, to build a like a communication device. But yeah. the idea, and I think we were talking about the, we touched on the occult and lots of things in this conversation so far, but when it comes to rituals, occult ritual, these are maybe possibly just words that are constructed in the right order form or gather a storm of intention in the right that's way that's what it is it's a storm of intention that tap into our consciousness in a way that some people who have a wider bandwidth <clears throat> can do naturally so and Dean Radin talks about that in his book Real Magic mm-hmm. how parapsychology is oftentimes just a cult ritual yeah but in a lab mm-hmm. and so I think in that way, it's all thought, mind, words, as words are just representative of of everything that come before it. Words are powerful. Colors are powerful. Imagery is powerful. That's why there's a whole system of mechanized marketing that know yeah. exactly the right rituals and yeah. techniques to do, to dance around our minds and get us to do things that we don't know we even And that's why you see certain fast food companies have certain colors. Yep. Because it elicits certain emotions and feelings in us. Yep. And it's interesting that the primary colors are the ghosts in this dream. Yeah, I know. I'm also colorblind, for whatever that's worth. Oh, but, right. Um, uh, did you know that uh, in preparation to make The Shining, that Stanley Kubrick studied advertising techniques subliminal advertising and i think he sat and met with high-level ad executives to uh, have them train him and how they uh, it, it makes sense yeah. i mean at one i think at some point in time i may write a small zine or book about my time in the advertising right. industry right and how much of an occult architecture it it oh, uh, so it operates under. It's so I mean, you're you're, you're consolidating yeah. the effort of everyone's brain power and creative energy in terms of finding ways to communicate a message that makes them do something. Right. Not knowing that they want to do it. Right. And that's every single day, day in and day out. Offices now Zoom meetings across the world where people are sitting there going like, well, we really need them to buy this product. We really need the, them to get this life insurance. We really need. And 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 then people going like, well, we can't just ask them to do it. So how are we going to trick them into doing it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, have you seen Century of the Self? No. What is that? The documentary by uh, the he's a British filmmaker, 
it's it's an older gosh I wish I can't I just started Lauren recommended I watch this documentary because it's a really good documentary I've only seen the first part but it talks about Sigmund Freud's nephew uh, I can't space on the guy's name now the painter he's, no he's the guy who invented essentially he invented all this what we're talking about right now oh and what's it called century of what century of self and it's not called propaganda but he was super interested in propaganda and to be used for advertising. Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis is the documentary filmmaker. And um, it's interesting because this guy, the nephew of Freud, is actually in the documentary as this really old guy. And he, like, mm-hmm. loves talking about it and feels absolutely, seemingly, no remorse whatsoever about mm-hmm. manipulating the masses. He was fascinated about manipulating the masses. Mm-hmm. And so instead of calling it propaganda... Public relations. Public relations yeah. was born. He invented public relations. Yeah, someone was just talking to me about this. Um, it's I, very interesting. I can't believe I can't remember the guy's name, but it's really fascinating. And it goes into that. And it yeah. goes into mass mind control or propaganda and everything else. But, you know... You know Happiness many, machines, yeah. the engineering of consent... Yes, the engineering of <laughs> consent, which is the creepiest of all phrases. That is a very creepy. So phrase. you know, we talk about like a lot of people have conspiracies about UFOs and and uh, what we do and don't know because of sources, and, and you have a lot of feelings about this, and we've talked about it in great lengths, Ryan. Um, but you know, when we look at the uh, infrastructure of advertising and marketing, and we want to look at like occult conspiracy systems right illuminati type of conspiracies right didn't we just kind of like describe that a little bit then we describe like who the stakeholders are you know right in front of our nose using magic to make us do things Cor- corporations <laughs> is that what you mean yeah. marketing companies and agencies and corporations i suppose so yeah <laughs> and we're like oh great colors yeah you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's, and it's done in, it's incorporated in a different flavor and so many different things. Whether it's, even in filmmaking, like, you know, pick the colors mm-hmm. for, you know, like this character is this color. Mm-hmm. This character is this color. The overall theme is going to be this color, you know, and so then you start associating these colors with, you know these personalities or these archetypes and things like that as well I mean so it's I don't know when it becomes where the you know I'm not gonna say it's like eugenics but it's one of these things where it's like well if you can go in and you can uh, through stem cell technology or through some kind of super advanced surgery technique and you can go in to a you know an unborn child while it's still in the womb and you can go fix something mm. like there's a great show called years and years on hbo that i just started watching they kind of touch on this a little bit but is that okay to fix like spinal bifida mm. if you could go in and fix spinal bifida mm-hmm. in a before the child is born it sounds like great right but where's the line when do you stop and now which things are now also characterized as need fixed before they're born mm. kind of thing, right? Mm. So it's a slippery slope, potentially. And I think it's the same way with these things. And especially when they found these out, these buttons that can be pushed hmm. emotionally. In relation to potentially the 
it not stopping even at uh, maybe um, fixing a medical malady, but uh, uh, changing. Before. Now you're talking about eugenics. Is this what kind of, I, I know nothing I mean, it, about. It leads into eugenics essentially. Mm. You know, manipulating genes to affect very specific outcomes in the type of people that are now born. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, well, it's a bunch of horses. <laughs> Bread like horses. I mean, but for a moment. I see. Would you or would you not want to know what it's like to be a horse? (laughs) Thank God somebody said it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. You remember that moment in Being John Malkovich where he accidentally goes into a dog for a second? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Uh, Ryan... Uh, do you want to? What's going on with your? What's going on with your project? We heard a preview of it. Oh, that's right. Of the bridge. That was one of the most distinct uh, tongue clicks I've done in a while. It's <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> the uh, God, that, uh, it's so crazy the things that we are stuck in our mind. Now I just had a flashback of my friend who was in the cult with her husband one time at a comedy show with me sitting front row one of the first times she ever saw me do stand-up and during my set she heckled me stop sucking your teeth <laughs> and it's haunted me ever since <laughs> were you sucking your teeth but possibly what does I, that mean while you were I, performing I, I guess i don't know and now it's haunted you but you don't do it anymore so no, I didn't even remember knowing I did it before that. But uh, <laughs> it may have just been a one night. I was. It, uh, it reminds me of the. I'm not saying this is the case in any way, but the multiple personalities having different physical attributes, and mm-hmm. in certain cases of people who suffer from multiple multiple personality disorder, how one of them will have a stutter or diabetes. And the other one won't have oh, diabetes. Weird. Whoa, what? It's, yeah, Wait, it's their, very, their physiology changes? Their physiology changes. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, the bridge. What? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible what you just um, the, Yeah, this is a, there's, it's a very well-documented case I'm referencing, and I can't remember the specific huh. name of the wow. person. But This just turned into the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. So this turned into... <laughs> And you know why that person is this going to get a Spotify disclaimer yeah, on it? Yeah, and, uh, that person who had no, I'm not going to make that joke. Okay, so, <laughs> um, oh yeah, so I'm uh, working on editing still. I think I've on the bridge for the most part completed most of the shooting, mm-hmm. at least for the first season. What's the bridge? The bridge is the paranormal documentary series I started filming. The two nights before the comedy special. Oh, I didn't know that was the title. That's the title came out naturally during the investigation. Uh, I'm actually because I, I have the footage of because we're talking about how a flashlight turned on on command. Like it could not be more on command than it was. The question was if someone, if a principal or a teacher or students in is in here with us right now and you want us to let us know that. Can you turn on the flashlight and then it like turn on immediately? It turns on immediately Um, and on cue. And it was, and so we're talking about how that can't happen. Well, it's not, shouldn't happen because it's a screw flashlight, a screw handle. That's the kind you use when you're doing that. 
yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And well, th- we were doing, we were letting the house team kind of lead the investigation. But point. isn't the concept with those screw flashlights used in paranormal investigations that you, you turn it so that it's almost on? Isn't that? I believe that's how it works. You you twist it so that it's like it's just one breath away from, you know, connecting to the battery or something. Mm-hmm. So that it, it it's very easy for the entity to just sort of mm. kiss it over the line, I, right? Isn't that how mm. it works? Uh, it's I'm sure it's not like locked all the way off, right? For sure. Yeah. And I didn't I wasn't handling the flashlight, but I'm not uh, I'm not trying to debunk. No, but I'm, this is how no, it's but it makes sense. To me. But you want to yeah. make sure it's not so close that it can just turn on and off, like it's like right okay connecting I, I you know and yeah. it didn't turn on the whole time we were using it right. earlier in the day until that moment but you were in the hallway unfortunately Jim when it happened but uh so that's how it goes anyway we're talking about that connector yeah. and how there's nothing there to connect to the charge the coil and the battery or whatever the things are that connect that make the light turn on right yeah and so he was saying oh it's like the entity makes that connection for us I was like oh like a bridge and mm-hmm. I was like Oh, that's the thing. That's what this whole thing is about. Trying to make the high strange uh, familiar, trying to bridge the gap between the paranormal and the normal through comedy. And so, yeah, so the bridge that's is, a good title. is where we're at with it. I like it. You know, so I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I won't expect it to be out until later this year. Yeah. Probably, you know, paranormal time of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Fall. Yeah. It's perfect. People are going to be trying to get all cozy and scared. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think it'll be a great companion piece for the special. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. That's awesome, man. What are you working on? Can you say anything about anything that you're working on? Or do you want to uh, uh, pitch your new um, your new one-man show or anything <laughs> like that? No, I don't have any one-man show. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't need to. <clears throat> We can make a we we can make an announcement that uh, in the coming months at some point in time, uh, Daniel has um, uh, Daniel will be hosting a, a night drift. Oh, very nice. Guest hosting, like uh, Joan Rivers filling in for Johnny Carson. Oh, just don't try to break off and make your own show. You no, because we'll never speak uh, again. It's true. You'll never you'll never let me let me down. Right? Maybe bad example. <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't think of any other guest no, hosts. That was, that was good. I mean, uh, you know, there was oh David Brenner, who would guest host. I don't know who that is. He's, if Brenner. you saw him, you'd recognize him. Okay. Um, Does he talk like that? Jay Leno was a uh, guest host. Right. And uh, there was did Billy Crystal? I don't think Billy Crystal ever. Well, there was a lot of guest hosts over yeah. the years, but there were some people who sort of that was their gig. They were guest hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't always been a huge fan of how late night television transitions from one host to another, mm-hmm. even though we're talking about guest hosts. Like, they're like, oh, let's put this person in there, and mm-hmm. and then we'll put this person mm-hmm. in there, and we'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And they did that with the Late Late Show. Oh, right. And uh, after Kilborn left, I think, I can't remember if they did that with the late, before uh, Craig Ferguson took over. Mm-hmm. There was kind of like a... It's a battle royale of late night hosts. <laughs> yeah. This week it's so and so, and it's just like ah, just like, you know, can you make a choice? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but that's the way the nature of the world is with politicians and everything. They their opinions are based on polls. No one's uh, no one's willing to put their own ass on the line. Right. 
Well, Jay Leno will not be hosting an episode of Night Drift. This is <laughs> but I'll tell sure. you what, if he did... <laughs> numbers! Could you imagine? It would be. It would be numbers. <laughs> well, thank you guys for, you know, having this free-roaming conversation with me here at the uh, Pally Hotel. Paley Hotel. I think Paley is fine. I've I've I backed off. You check it. You check it. Pretty sure it's Paley. Yeah, I've backed yeah. off. Yeah. Well, is it all one word? Yeah. Paley Hotel. Paley Hotel. Yeah. Okay, so that's definitely Paley Hotel. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna get you a glass of water. <laughs> Aggressively. Aggressively. Decisively. There is a hole in my glass of water. There's a hole in my glass of water. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Next week, uh, this Sunday, I'll have a live night drift on KKNW uh, Sunday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern at nightdrift.com, and then later on the UFMF feed. And then, uh, yeah, not this Thursday, but next, we'll have a brand new UFMF feature for you as well. So thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. And we'll – that's not my catchphrase. What? And will? That's and a terrible catch. I was going to say, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. And that's not it at all. What is it, Jim? Let's keep looking up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone off the rails. <laughs> Remind right. me to show you this crazy new photo I got. It's a private photo of a ghost. Uh, when we're, as soon as we're done with this, it's going to blow your socks off. Oh, you mean wow. that to be on the podcast? <laughs> That's the tease. <laughs> the tease? People, right when we're finished. All right. Wow. You just need okay. to put, to make it a messy ending. <laughs> also, why is it it's a private photo of a ghost? What makes it private? He's a he's a broadcaster, too. He's a, made more podcasts than me. <laughs> as, he's over here. As he's signing off, <laughs> remind me to show you this. Oh, remind me to tell you that I got the truth about everything <laughs> from someone. Okay. Just uh, yeah, welcome to the today. green room of the improv here. All right, everybody. Good night. Love you. Oh, remind me to uh, tell you about <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll see you. Good night. <laughs>